2: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to a bonus episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting of the draftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And listen, today was originally going to be power to the pod with an interview with Joe Rose stacked on the end. That's not how this thing's going to go, because I spoke with Joe Rose on Thursday, and he gave me damn near 30 minutes of just tremendous Miami Dolphins football content. So we are still going to do Power to the Pod on the YouTube stream. It'll be up... On the podcast feed tomorrow on Saturday, ahead of the game get you a little six-day podcast action and seven episodes of Locked On Dolphins this week, which I am super, super stoked about. I want to bring you guys this entire conversation from Joe, uh, one of my absolute favorite people around the Dolphins and this whole community of people who care about this football team. Joe's right there at the top, obviously the time that he's invested in broadcast and radio and playing for the team. Just kind of throw that in there at the end like it's not the biggest deal of all. Uh, so Joe Rose interview is our sixth episode and number seven is going to be Power to the Pod. We're going to do a live stream tonight, head us to some of the college football games on the YouTube stream. It'll be on the podcast feed on Saturday. So very, very excited to bring you guys a couple extra episodes this week and get you ready for week one. We are just a couple days away from game day. So fins up. And without further ado, I'm going to switch gears and bring Joe Rose into the fold here, and we are going to absolutely party this week here on Locked On Dolphins. Kyle Krabs back with yet another appearance from your favorite historical figure in the history of the Miami (laughs) Dolphins, at least here on Locked On Dolphins. Mr. Joe Rose is back with us again by popular demand uh joe glad we could get you back in before the start of the season we are no. at the tipping point now we're we're just about ready to kick this damn thing off so uh how are you what what is your sense going into week one uh as far as expectations level of excitement yeah. anticipation you name it
0: that's a great question um I feel really good about the team overall because I think they're well-coached. Uh, still remains to be seen how good the young guys will, will get, how, what kind of jump they'll make in their rookie year to their first to second year since this thing is really built around those two drafts. Even going back to the 2019 class with Coach Flores and Chris Greer, their first class together. But it's going to be about the growth of those guys. But But I do know one thing, and I, I keep saying this, they are well coached. They, they've they been really well coached to win 10 games last year with that group. And even what they did when they when they clean, cleaned it out and still able to win five of their last four. It, it was some really good coaching. And then I know, I do want to say this on behalf of all fans. This last 20 years, Colin, I get it, doing that radio every morning. Um, it's are you already smiling. Um, there's a lot of fans going, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. From, we've given him 20 years of real shaky football. It's been a long time since he's won a playoff since we've won a playoff game. So, so I understand all that. But I do feel pretty good about this group. And I got to tell you, man, I've turned into Tua's biggest fan because he is under one of the biggest microscopes I've ever seen for good reason. Comes from a great program. They had a chance to get a lot of different guys. You know the whole thing. We, we've beaten it up. But uh, I've seen all the improvement he's make, made, and I, I'm really, I feel good that he's going to have a really good chance with a good game plan to, to show his improvement in year two.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a, a perfect segue into one of the things I was definitely hoping to chat with you about before the start of the season, and it's looking at a lot of these names from that 2020 class. And like you mentioned, it's been alluded to a lot, that year one to year two jump, and being more comfortable with being a professional and so, so on and so forth. So the working theory that I've, I've been using here on the show mm-hmm. is that you know, the reason why you draft for volume isn't to bat a 1,000, right? The reason why you draft for volume is because law of averages says everybody's going to get about the same amount of hit rate. So if you have more picks, logic yeah. would indicate you're going to have more guys that take that jump. So if you don't mind, I'd like to work through some of the prominent names from this 2020 class and apply one of the other theories I've been using in that some guys from year one to year two will make a negligible or hardly noticeable jump in their play. Some will make an intermediate jump in their play, and some will take a significant jump in their play. So small, medium, or large improvements throughout the course of their game. I would love to hear who you think is going to fall into which bucket out of this 2020 class as far as small improvements, medium level of improvement, or large, significant jumps? So if I started with Tua Valoa, you 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 mentioned the improvements. Uh, What is your expectation based off of the product that we saw through uh, the nine starts in 2020?
0: So, Kyle, I've already seen a big improvement, but it's got to be done on the football field. But I've already seen him throw the ball better, more velocity. Um, He's always had good anticipation on his throws and accurate throws um I've seen him take over the team he's not looking over his shoulder we've said a zillion times wondering where uh, Fitzpatrick's where he is and what he's saying it's his team he knows that uh and and so we've seen all that improvement I think the coaching staff the co-coordinators and his quarterback coach have really done a good job of figuring out what he does best which is so important listen You can't come in as a coordinator. Every high school, college, and professional coach that does it, it's a disaster. When you try to stuff a player into the system you like, you're asking for trouble. You're just asking for trouble. I think they get that. Um, I think they feel he can make deep throws. That's why we've seen him here in camp and in uh, the preseason a little bit, make more throws down the field and not worry about dumping the ball off. There's a time to dump it off, and there's a time with the guys you have And I think that's the other thing. I think he feels more comfortable with the weapons. He's going, wow, look at the guys I was throwing to at the end of the year. And look at the guys I have now. Look at the speed guys, including my guy from Alabama. Uh, After week one, Will Fuller's going to be back. Man, I saw film on him with the Houston Texans. That guy can run, man. He's a big play waiting to happen. Devontae's a nice big target. Mike Gesicki catches everything I throw to him between the hashes. I just think he sees all these things. Albert Wilson was his go-to target for the first two weeks of camp when everybody was hurt and old Jakeem grant who can still run small target, got to keep him healthy, but he saw a bunch of fast guys. He must've thought he was back in Alabama again, Kyle, because right. um, I just think that allows him a lot of confidence with that group of guys that he's not out there by himself. He's getting a lot of help. The coaches know the plays for him. They're going to give him the best chance. Even when, everybody starting in this New England game, they're going to try to confuse them. They're going to do the same things Coach Flores, if he was still the coordinator, he would do to Tua, which, by the way, I think is another thing people don't talk about enough. Brian Flores and Josh McDaniels know each other really well, man. Think about all the meetings they've had together to attack each other. Hey, what do you think about this? I love it. I do it. I think these two know each other as well as any head coach and coordinator going against each other. I think Brian Floor is going to have a lot of this week and he had his defensive coordinator, nothing against Josh Boyer, but he's had his defensive coordinator camp on with the head coaching job to make sure to, he can attack a young quarterback at the other side. So I think it's, it's going to be a fun to watch between those three guys coming up with game plan, trying to confuse the other young quarterback.
1: Yeah, you almost feel like it's it's going to come down to execution. You don't really know how much of it's going to be like out of left field, something that surprises you or catches you off guard. It's just who's going to execute the game plan better and understand, hey, in these critical down-and-distance situations, this is what we're expecting. It's going to be a tight throw. Can you make the tight throw? Can you make the first pass, rush, or miss? And then make a play happen.
0: Yeah, by the way, and the biggest jump, the reason we started with Tua, because he's the guy that needs to make, when this is all said and done, if it's going to work and it has a chance to work before we get into all the rest of draft picks, the ones and the twos and the threes and development down the road, this thing needs to have a big jump with that guy. That guy needs to be the biggest jump for this team to have success and go to the next step to uh tongue of Iloa, needs to be that guy year one to two.
1: And it sounds like you believe he's capable of making it. And it's just a matter of execution. I don't want to put words in your mouth though.
0: No, no, I I'm 100%. Now he can't okay. do it by himself. I, Got into it with all, everybody on the radio. They keep talking. And I said, listen, he needs some help from the offensive line because the one mismatch in this game is their offensive line right now is clearly not up for debate better than our offensive line at this point. Not even close.
1: Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Guys, these things are top of the first-round caliber as it pertains to the realm of protein bars. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. So whether you're looking for something to grab and go, a delicious snack, post-workout, meal replacement, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar.
2: This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: The second pick from that 2020 class and Austin Jackson, who we don't even know is going to be available for this game against New England in week one with him being on the reserve COVID-19 list. He went on at the beginning of the week. It sounds like they're they're teasing that they're hopeful he might be able to be back, but even beyond just week one, Austin Jackson, what's what's the, your temperature having spent so yeah. much time around the facility and, and training camp that yeah. he's going to take either a marginal, intermediate, or large jump forward in year two?
0: Right. So it, it's a great question. He and Ignaugany, we're going to talk about both those guys because they're important picks for what they do. One's a cover corner, and we're talking about left tackle right now um hasn't had a great camp let's be honest has not been great ha- hasn't been bad all the time and some of the stuff's out there he's getting beat on every play that's not the case and it's just talking to the coach that that's not the case he's had his moments where he's been really good but he's out there at left tackle and he's got to be more consistent he's got to be stronger got to keep his balance um and I do remember when he was drafted Colin. you know more about this in the draft than I do but the team talked about he was a young left tackle at USC, and it's, it's going to be development. We think he's willing to not fall apart mentally and get better and get knocked down and get back up and, and be better. Same things were said about Igben Ogany as well. Like, hasn't played corner a long time, but his upside is off the chain. He's He can run. He's physical. We haven't seen that yet with him. But, but going back to Austin Jackson, really important job. We need him. We can't even I, – I refuse to talk about another left tackle. It needs to be him. I know he's going to make mistakes, but he needs to make the next step. And I haven't started to see it yet from the camp that he's had, but hopefully as he gets to play now every snap once he comes back, he may miss this, this game. It's going to be real close with COVID-19 or not. And if not, then we'll see Greg Little and we'll see a rotation of, you know, it could be Eichenberg that could do a lot of different mm-hmm. things. I hope they don't go moving Jesse Davis side to side. Uh, he does enough. I, I hope they keep him a right tackle. That'd be the only Joe Rose recommendation that nobody listens to.
1: On you and I seem like we're in the same boat here about playing the musical chairs game. Right. And I know that the coaching ah. staff is very dialed in on. We want to get our best combination of five depending on who we have available to us. But uh, that, that communication factor you know, I understand that the prospect of cross training guys and getting them looks in different areas. So they understand what the responsibility of the guys next to him is going to be in any given situation. But uh, especially with, with Jesse, Jesse's uh, effectively been locked in their right tackle because Austin Jackson's the only guy who doesn't have positional flexibility when you consider the guys that they have on the offensive line.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. I um, look at, I'm trying to get used to and coach Flores knows a lot more about coaching than I do and ever will. And, I don't sit in those meetings and stuff. And I get that he likes – guys can do a lot of different things. You know, the Jalen Phillips thing, I got to bite my tongue and I got to do this watching these games. And, And like, I just want to see Jalen Phillips, the pass rusher, and we'll, we'll work on everything else, him in coverage and trying to fool people with a zone blitz. And he pulls out at the last second, gets in the throwing lane and pits one off. Probably going to happen this year because it yeah. happened a lot last year. But we didn't bring him in for that. I mean, we brought him in. To get heat from the outside, you got to have it. You can you can only confuse people so much with the dancing seven up front, but at some point, you got to be able to get there one on one.
1: Let's keep this uh, train rolling here with the last first round pick from twenty twenty, Noig Benogany, who you mentioned uh, really didn't see the the jump, and and I think the most telling thing that this is probably going to be a player that's taking a marginal or small step forward in his play is the fact that he played as much as he did in the preseason late in games. I think that's a really telling sign that they just want this guy to get some reps in game situation and try and have the light bulb come on a little bit. I don't know if you would agree with that assessment. 100% got his,
0: got him as much playing time. He's in there and they're going, you got to play kid. You got to keep making mistakes. You got to make some plays so you can get some confidence. You got to keep working on your technique. I don't care if it's somebody's fifth receiver, seventh receiver. You need to have some success, and preseason's the best time to get experience and success that you just you can't get in practice every day. Look at the way this thing looks to me right now. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, I know we're going to line up on the outside on the island a lot again this year. We know that. We're both getting paid the big bucks for a reason. They're both equally important on the outside. And then from there um, – you know we were hoping Iggy was gonna make that move. Let's be honest. There were a lot of people going, mm-hmm. man. Now Iggy comes in and he's the third cover corner and you feel good. And honestly, that, that hasn't been the case. Nick Needham to me is clearly the third best corner inside or outside on this football team. So I, I want to wait and see because it's not just going to be about nickels, you know, it's it's gonna be about four wide and a lot right. of teams are going to spread you out. And then I'm really curious to see who the fourth guy is, but they're still showing Iggy as a backup outside corner. Um, but I don't know if they'll do that at some point, Byron Jones or X-Man will have to miss some plays and hopefully it's not for a long period of time, but we saw it last year and he got thrown in there. And you know what happens in the NFL when you get thrown in there and you're a young guy and you haven't had success Everybody's got the same scouting report and knows exactly what you and I are talking about right now. And they go after you. First at, play, first play, <laughs> um, and he got some. In fairness to Stefan Diggs, he's in the slot, and I'm looking. I go, well, I knew right away. You know, they got him in a situation because these coordinators can match you up in matchups you don't want. You can't cover guys up; it's hard. And there's Ziggy one-on-one with one of the best receivers in football, and it was a rough day. Not, not one of his games at, you know, start of, of his NFL career that he would have liked going against the Buffalo Bills.
1: So if we're keeping score for the 2020 class, we have a quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa that we both feel is capable of making a very large step forward. And then you have two guys in Austin Jackson and Noah Benogany who have different situations on the depth chart, but haven't quite illustrated that they're ready to make what we would describe as... Uh, intermediate or large Bye. leap in their play. But I think this is where it really becomes redeeming for this 2020 class, because you got two guys in the second round in the trenches in Robert Hunt, who's now inside playing guard and Raquan Davis at nose tackle. So, you know, if you were to, to kind of gauge your expectations on how big the jump is going to be for these two guys who showed a lot of bright flashes as rookies last year, you know, where are your expectations on improvements for both of these two guys?
0: That's a great point. And and by the way, I want to say this. Austin Jackson, with the experience he got last year, is really going to help him to to potentially have the big jump as well at first round. But those two second-round picks are special. Robert Hunt is the best offensive lineman by far that you have of that starting five. Whatever starting five, Robert Hunt's the best player. I'm not so sure he's not the best right tackle, and he has become the best right guard. So we'll start with that one. And the guy on the other side, Raquan Davis, uh, the way he played in the second half of the season, he's made a jump and he is your best defensive lineman that you have, especially inside. And if the run defense is going to get better, it's going to be because of Raquan Davis, six, seven, 330 pounds. And he, and by the way, looks slender. Doesn't even look like that big a guy So, yeah, uh, we did real well in our second-round picks. We really did, and I'm excited about how much better they can do because, to me, the next step for them is not good players but going to Pro Bowl, both those guys.
1: Yeah, and when we're invoking the words Pro Bowl on players, you know you got quality starters, and getting two with picks 39 and 56 is an excellent job in finding value and good scheme fits. It is that time of year once again. The NFL is back. All eyes are on the gridiron. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college action this season. Get the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest and the two hundred thousand dollar NFL survivor contest, open now at Bet Online. Head over to the website. Or use your mobile device to sign up today or to receive a 100% welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of the great offers in place for the start of the 2021 season. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: The, the, there's two more guys I want to talk about from the 2020 class. Uh, Brandon Jones being the next one who was, missed some time in training camp, uh, got some quality playing time down the stretch last year and and looked to be a a quality rotational safety. And of course we talk about the value in having three corners, but having multiple safeties and obviously Jason McCourty's got corner safety flexibility and Javon Holland played down in the slot, a whole bunch. And you got Eric Rowe who can match up on tight ends. So how they're going to mix and match these guys is going to be really interesting. But I guess from, from my perspective, I have the hardest time out of these first, second and third round guys trying to figure out how big of a jump Brandon Jones is going to have just because you, you do the numbers game there in the secondary, and you just don't know what personnel packages he's going to have the opportunity to consistently play on week to week.
0: Well, to me, just watching his plays, the most physical um, safety they have, as far as coming up, making tackles. I've seen that. He had some really good games there. I think his biggest problem is coverage. And we got a bunch of guys back there, just about everybody is a better cover person than he is for all their past packages that they do. And, and so I'm I'm really curious to see where, where he's going to fit in with, with everything that you're trying to do with all the different packages. And by the way, Josh Boyer is going to run a lot of different packages and all these guys, for the most part, are going to play. At some point, Javon Holland's going to have to play. There's no mm-hmm. way he can just be a special teams player with the amount of plays that guy made in camp. You know, guys that make... A lot of plays in camp are usually the same guys gonna make a lot of plays in games. And he looks like he's got natural instincts. There's some things you can't teach, you know, guys just have it in every sport. You go, man, how'd you see that? I don't know. I, I just do it. Marino, like you're not supposed to know all this stuff. I just saw him coming open and pick a guy and let it it. fly. Right. Yeah. All those great sayings he has. You're right. There's (laughs) yeah. You can't beat a perfect throw and, and all those things that guys that have lots of confidence can do. Yeah, so um, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in on some of the – and I get they'll have a place for him. I think goal line and short yardage stuff, it will be good in, in coming up. But I don't know overall how you, how you fit him in unless, you know, he's got to just get better. He missed some camp, like you said, I thought really hurt him because he really is another guy that should have been playing a lot of that football when those starters were out and he was injured.
1: So that's six picks through the top 100 from that 2020 class. And like we said, law of averages, we got three guys we feel are ready to make pretty significant jumps in Tonga Valoa, Hunt, and Davis. And then we have some guys that we're cautiously optimistic on. And, and uh, Igbenogati probably being the one who just needs more seasoning, right? As you mentioned, he, I mean, he came out of the draft. He was the youngest player in the draft that year. Right. So and he played corner for two years. The last yeah, name, yeah. Ahead, Solomon Kinley. Offensive line, started camp in the doghouse, third string. (laughs) Next thing you know, Chicago gate comes and goes. He's back in the first string. He never looks back. What's the expectation on the jump in year two for Solomon? Or is he one of those guys who his strengths are his strengths? and, And there could be a pun intended there because of how big and strong he is as a player. But the ceiling for him might not allow too much development beyond the style of player that he is right now.
0: So I just see the coaching staff in general with Solomon Kinley going, gosh, this is the kind of physical player we've been wanting to get forever. A big wide body likes to come off the ball and smash tackles and doesn't back down. And if he gets a chance to pancake block you, he's going to be on top of you. Like he, he loves that stuff, but then he has those plays. Right. And I think they're willing to live with that as long as they're aggressive and work on those weaknesses um they found out a thing or two about him like let's see how he responds to being having his ass on the bench basically let's see how he likes lining up his third lining him up at third string today let's see how he likes it he's back starting that's all they need they've seen it they got on him I'm sure they tried to downplay it about his weight not being in the shape they wanted which Flores coach Flores doesn't tolerate that and being late and uh, I think Solomon Kinley got the message loud and clear, came in, got himself in shape, and they're counting on him. I, I don't think they're looking back, right? He's going to have to be really, really bad because I think there's too many things they can do, and they want to get that running game going. And if they got the best chance of getting a running game going, they need that 340-plus pound left guard in there to do it because when he hits a block and it hits and those double teams, man, they are going to be some space. they are going to be some – open space to run
1: so before we kind of shift gears and just touch quickly on new england one other thought i had on the offensive line i would love your thoughts on is there's uh, some discussion and narrative and inevitably the dolphins are going to be tied to the narratives around the offensive line because they chose to draft Jalen wattle after trading back up from 12 instead <laughs> of whether it was drafting penne Sewell or doing anything else with the perception of the offensive line in miami despite the fact that this team has made a lot of investments into the offensive line over the last three years. And as I was kind of looking at the, the captains who were named and obviously Jesse Davis being a captain, that's named and him having five or six years of tenure in the NFL. And then you kind of go down the rest of the list. And you look at the experience that the rest of this offensive line has where Dieter was drafted in the third round of 2019. And the three guys that we just got done talking about from 2020 and Eichenberg in the second round this year. Robert Jones is a UDFA this year. Greg Little was in the second round of 29. Like that's seven offensive linemen with two years of tenure or less in the NFL. So I guess my, my question for you is does this group and, and this front office and coaching staff deserve to have a little bit of patience with what they have up front, because they've clearly invested a lot of young players in it. And with, the way the college game is played now, I just can't help but think of how rare it is to find those pro-ready offensive linemen with all the spread offenses and the RPOs, and you're not really taught to take a lot of true pass sets anymore. So, you know, from a draft and develop standpoint, um, there's a lot of negativity associated with the offensive offensive line, but I look at who they have and how inexperienced these guys are. I personally can't help but feel that, like, hey, let's let this thing play out for another 17 games or or 34 games and and see what these guys look like, because you're going to have some keepers out of this group.
0: We ran out of patience pills in South Florida, Kyle. Hey, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. But uh, again, just being around and seeing both sides of it, the frustration of, like you said, how many guys are you going to draft before you figure this out? We've gotten rid of uh, twos and threes and fours through the years that should still in the league if they were good players. Some of them are actually in the league. Um, but we got to develop them. And and I, I sense, by the way, Coach Flores has gone through offensive line coaches. He hasn't been real happy with the coaching either, or those guys mm-hmm. would all be here, right, common sense? So um, we got to see. We, we, they, but they got to play together, and they got to get a chance. I agree with you. They got to get their feet wet. They got to get knocked around. Then they kind of have some success where you start to get your confidence. All those things come into play. You know, and I've always kind of been around guys that they're used to getting yelled at and screamed at, and offensive line coaches talk to them differently than the rest of coaches doing their position players. And and all those guys I've been around, and again, probably a bad example, when I got here, the first guy was Bob Kuchenberg, and, you know, I mean, he breaks a bone, and he doesn't, he doesn't miss a beat. And then you find out afterwards he's got three broken bones in a, you know, and stuff. And, and he's puking and he's still playing. And I mean, they, I don't know if they make those guys, but I always felt like he set the tone um, as one of those old school guys. I, I tell the story all the time. One day we are playing the giants. I got the wind knocked out of me going down the middle and uh, and hit the ground. And that's where you get the wind knocked out after I got popped and And I laid there for a second. Cause That's how I felt. I couldn't get up. And uh, as I, as I finally got up, you know, the crowd at the orange bowl gives you a little cheers. You're okay. And you're coming off. And he walked over to me and he didn't say, Hey kid, how are you? He said, don't ever lay on the field again and let the team you're playing against. See that you get back up. You're okay. I went, and then I was going to explain it to him. And I just nodded my head and I go, I get it, man. You got 13 years. You played on great teams you're still in this league for a reason. So that toughness and the way those guys all used to talk to each other back then and, and to get knocked around and, you know, just, just, I mean, you got to have confidence to play offense line. Some of those old school teams, you know, and I know times mm-hmm. have changed, but we got to get some of those guys. We got to get some of those guys that just, if they get whipped there, even if you go by them, they might leg whip you and try to hurt you or hit you a little bit late from time to time just that toughness on a hot day, one o'clock at the old Orange Bowl and now Hard Rock Stadium. We need to get that kind of toughness. We got we to find some guys that when things aren't going well, they're still out there fighting and grinding and, and fans can see it.
1: Well, we, you, you'd, you'd like to think you've got that potential yes. in some of these guys, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley. I mean, you talked about the physicality that both of those guys have, but it's like you said, it's that confidence and demeanor component of it to really play with the edge and have the confidence that that you're going to go out and you're gonna kick somebody's ass. Right. And, and, and that, and that I agree with you wholeheartedly is uh, kind of the missing link. And, and we'll see if any of those guys make that jump with that mentality this you, year.
0: You know, one of the mysteries of this camp, not to get away from what we're talking about still on the offensive line, I am still trying to figure out for the life of me to the point that I I go to bed, this doesn't say much about my life, but going to bed, still trying to figure out where Liam Eichenberg's going to end up on this offensive line. What's going to be, I know they can say he can fill in everywhere. I can play left tackle, he's got 38 starts. Played right tackle, can play left guard. But what's going to be at some point his position in the National Football League? Because if he's playing everything, then they don't think that much of him to just make him a starter and stick him in one position. I think he's going to be a starter somewhere. I think it's gonna happen this year. And I don't know where. I don't know if we know yet. Do you?
1: You you gotta think it's one of these tackle spots. And and you yes. know, that, that Jesse Davis experience is invaluable. Uh, in my opinion, his he's most valuable to the team as the utility guy that can play anywhere other than center, coming off the bench as the sixth offensive lineman. I think his his floor at any plug-in spot personally for me is where I think he's most appealing as a player versus being a starter. But you know, I mean, I go back and I watch the preseason game with Eichenberg and the double team movement that he's getting off the line of scrimmage. And I just, he's got a little bit more of that punch to him in the run game than I, what I think Jesse has. I think Jesse's experience gives him such a leg up to be able to be an asset early on. But once Liam gets his feet wet, like I yeah. think he can really be a difference maker in the run game for them.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and he comes from such a great program. And, and you know, people don't like to always hear about Notre Dame. Notre Dame produces offensive linemen. And, my gosh, that guy's got so many starts. I mean, he's got three full years of regular season and bowl game experience. Mm-hmm. He He's played in some big games. He's had great success. I, I just thought it would carry over. I thought it was going to happen instantly, but I always think that. And it's going to take some time, but they got to figure out, but he's just got something to him. I still think he's going to be really good and play one position.
1: Put me down for right tackle. All right. Fair enough. Right tackle. (laughs) Joe, one thing on the Patriots before I let you go. Um, What, in your opinion, is the biggest advantage that the Dolphins have coming into this football game, be it from a mentality perspective, facing a rookie quarterback, coaching, physical skill sets. What do you think is Miami's best advantage coming into this game against New England?
0: Um, I like their defensive secondary in the matchups against their receivers the best. I think we do a real good job, except for a couple of the superstar tight ends of covering the tight ends. I feel good about our guys outside, not saying those guys aren't going to catch some footballs; they will. Um, So I think that's the biggest strength of this team that I feel good about is covering their two tight ends and they've got two good ones. Not, not the best in the league, but two good ones. Mm-hmm. And they've got some guys on the outside that uh, I think they're good matchups, including with Nick Needham in there. So I feel good about that. But, again, all comes down to getting decent pressure in this game, too, against – I mean, he's still, no matter what, nobody's getting stroked more than the NFL right now before we play a game than the new rookie quarterback for uh, for the New England Patriots. And, and so we, we got we to gotta get after him. And – the biggest strength on the other side by far is the New England Patriots offensive line. It's, I don't know, Kyle, you've seen them all. You you, you do it. I think they're top three, four offensive line in the game. Oh, yeah. That right side's got about 700 pounds to be honest. That's a, that's two big guys that can come off the ball. One squatty body and one big, the biggest man in football. I mean, he's just, he is the biggest man in the national football league. Trent is Trent Brown.
1: Yeah. And and then, oh, by the way, at left guard, replacing Joe Thune, you've got Michael and Wayne, who's 360 pounds at left guard, too. They they have gone super big. Two of the
0: biggest guys in the league on that offensive line. They got a lot of experience. They got some opt-out guys back. Um, so, yeah, I think that offensive line, um, I expect them to be a top five running team in the NFL I take it a step further. And I hope it doesn't get off to a good start against the Dolphins because If they can't stop that run, we're going to have all kinds of problems. You know what? You can't stop the run, then the pass has lots of fun. Just to rhyme it up here real Mm -hmm. quickly, you know?
1: Well, hopefully when we talk next, we are able to talk about the Dolphins and Raquan Davis and everybody there on that defensive front seven shutting down that run game and getting New England into some third and longs. I think that's the key for Miami is – the more third and seven plus you get them in, the better your chances are to win the football game with a rookie quarterback. And as you said, the, the talent advantage that exists in the secondary for Miami versus their pass catchers. That for me is the big thing.
0: Yeah. Then the other side is you got to have, you got all these guys that can run. Um, and and let's forget about the Vegas game and the Buffalo game, or we just struggled to get first downs and get some big play guys. And I'm hoping that Jalen Waddle, we kind of low keyed him during the preseason He needs to get some targets in this game. They need to find a way one-on-one to get him running some routes and getting open on those deep crossing routes that you and I saw together watching him in practice and and those type of plays. we got to get some 20-plus yard plays. Can't be a struggle to get first downs. Got to make some big plays with that speed. I know week two with Will Fuller will be a lot faster, but I think everybody else can be on board ready to go in this game.
1: Yeah, Joe, it sounds like we've got a nice winning formula. Explosive plays on offense and get them in third and long on defense and let the chips where fall where they may. Uh, always appreciate your time. Thank you so I much for coming on. I love doing it with on. you, man.
0: By the way, you're making me look bad, man. Your office is looking a lot better than mine. you got such great stuff. And now you come out with the Miami 305, one of the hottest t shirts, by the way, for young people. I had to pick that thing up. Nice call by you. Dade County right there. Miami 305. I got to be careful because I got Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, but Miami 305 (laughs) is nice.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on, uh, they posted online last year and I said, where can I get that? You can only get it at hard rock at the pro shop. So I said, I might as well just buy a ticket, come down, fly down for a game just to buy the damn shirt because it's so nice. So I'm glad you game recognizes game. Your, your office with Marino hanging out in the background is pretty damn nice. Hey, itself. listen,
0: man, let me tell you, I keep my old boy in the back here. I got lots of stuff in the office. I owe that guy a lot, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except for that time. He got the wind knocked out of you yeah, uh, and the Giants, right? Oh
0: boy. I'll tell you what, between coach Shula and Bob Kuchenberg, it's like having two old school coaches together, man. It was uh he was something else. He was a special guy, that guard, and and a damn good one, man, Bob Kuchenberg. And, of course, I think we all miss Coach Shulin, what he stood for, doing things the right way. And uh, he was tough, man. He made the old guy from Cal Berkeley grow up real fast. I was like, wow, this is the way they do it back here. It's not like down in Berkeley. But what are we doing? So well, it's- You
1: left the Cali lifestyle behind when you yes, came to I South did. Florida for Yes, I did. I'm going
0: back. Thank you.
1: Kyle Krabs with Uh, Joe Rose. Thanks so much for your time, Joe. Hope everybody listening enjoyed another sit down with our favorite historical dolphins figure here on locked on (laughs) dolphins. Mr. Joe Rose, come back, hit subscribe on the podcast. See us again sometime soon. Fins up, go dolphins and keep it locked in right here on locked on dolphins.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage, this off season,